Welcome back to another episode of the Two Bros podcast. We are Two Bros. This is the Two Bros podcast. Welcome, welcome. It is now time to discuss the next game week of the English Premier League. Well, football is back after that long and lengthy international break. Bro, what do you do during international breaks? Do you feel like uh, something's lacking from your life like it does in my case? Well, I honestly have been following uh, Mourinho's Instagram. What? And he has kept everyone entertained through his antics on Instagram. In fact, his last post read, uh, you know, training with six players. What a beautiful international break. <laughs> it was really? super sarcastic. I loved it. Okay. Well, okay, we're going to touch up on uh, the fixtures in just a bit. Now, I want to go back to last week where uh, a lot of managers voiced their concerns about the the fixture schedule and especially leading the charge was uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who said they had a Champions League game away at Istanbul on Wednesday night and they were playing uh, Saturday afternoon again. A lot of managers had a, you know, a lot a lot to say about the fixture uh, lineups including even Jurgen Klopp got in the way and because of the fixture list I would say uh, you know United lost uh, Luke Shaw and Liverpool got an injury to Trent Alexander-Arnold who is in fact back but uh, he was injured for that uh, for that match he had to be subbed off what do you make of these fixtures which are coming in thick and fast mind you we had 3 weeks of uh, weekend football and Champions League Europa League in the midweek well, this is nothing new because this has been going on for a while. I think the issue exists at the federation level where the FA does not extend the kind of support that the other federations do to their domestic leagues. So you have this situation in England wherein top clubs are playing every 72 hours, every 48 hours sometimes. Um it is really about whether or not you want to see a club from England do well in the Champions League. That's that is what it boils down to, essentially. I think so. And this is something that's been echoing for the past few or so many years, why English teams tend to struggle in Europe because uh, the fixtures are so competitive and the league itself is so competitive that you can't afford to rest any of your players. Uh, okay, with that, uh, having said that, let's go into the uh, Premier League game week that's up and coming obviously we have an early kickoff on Saturday uh, well early according to UK standards in India it's still going to be 6pm with Newcastle taking on Chelsea now Chelsea have uh, I think Chelsea players particularly uh, Timo Werner and even the likes of Kai Havertz have done really well in the in the international break uh, I think I think we're going to see you know the dangerous side of Chelsea come out now in the next few game weeks and I think they're going to take the, the Premier League by storm now I agree, and Chelsea are a side to watch out for. They've uh, quietly gone about their business. In fact, they're all the way up to uh, fifth now, and they're just three points off the lead. So, given a few results, and they'll be top of the table. Yep, yep. I think uh, Chelsea, well, even if they don't uh, manage to do something this season, I think next season they're going to really uh, deliver once the group has had more time to gel in and the injuries are kind of out of the way and let's say Frank Lampard has had more time with them. So that's an interesting uh, fixture. I think Chelsea, all three points there for me, really. Now, moving on to the, let's say, the fixture of the game week, to be honest. It's the return, brother, of Mourinho versus Pep Guardiola. Spurs versus Man City. I mean, gone are the days when they used to manage the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid. Now it's Spurs versus Man City. Does the does this fixture still have the old Pep and Mourinho, you know, Mourinho rivalry factor in it? 
Well, uh, if you ask me, up to last season it wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But this season, uh, Tottenham are up there. In fact, they are second as we speak. And uh, Man City, if they win their game in hand, they'll be all the way up to fourth or fifth themselves. So, I mean, City have gone off, uh, gotten off to a relatively slow start. And uh, Tottenham would be keen to cement their title credentials. So, uh, because this is a home game for Tottenham, I see them walking away with all three points. Well, that's a, that's a big game, a big uh, you know declaration. Uh, City striker. Now let's talk about them. I mean, Aguero is still. I think he's a bit far away from uh, you know return yet. A certain Ferran Torres scored a hat trick against Germany. What do you make of this guy? Well, he's all right. I mean, it's early days still. I uh, remember him playing against Arsenal. He was all right. Uh, didn't really stand out for me. I mean, he's got pace. He's got guile. But uh, people are going to take this time to sort of bed into the Premier League. Um, I, I fancy Spurs uh, winning this one, not just nicking it. They will win it right and proper. Mm-hmm. Probably two or three goals to uh, to the one. Uh, City, really, unless they sort out their striker issues, I don't see them challenging for the title this year. All right, okay. Uh, all right, the last game of the game on on last game of the of Saturday is uh, United taking on West Brom at home. Now United, let's say kicking off a little bit uh, with their win against Everton, a very convincing win against Everton, and uh, Bruno Fernandez finally kicking into gear for the season. I would say. Uh, a must-win game at Old Trafford again for United because uh, so far their home form has been uh, quite poor and they can't really afford to lose any more points. Yeah, United are coming off of a wretched home spell. Uh, Arsenal uh, beat them last time around and they were pretty much bossed. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, United, I guess, were a little lucky. I mean, yes, Solskjaer did talk about the fixture list, etc. But they were happy to go up against Everton who were missing Richarlison and... Uh, you know, a bunch of other influential players and even Rodriguez had just come back into the 4A and he wasn't at his influential best. Uh, If United were to go up against Everton this week, I suspect it would be a completely different story. But as we speak, United are up against West Brom. There can't be too many kinder fixtures than this. West Brom are on a wretched run. They, I doubt they've ever won at Old Trafford. Maybe not in the last 50 years. <laughs> and uh, United are playing at home and they have a relatively healthy squad to choose from. So, this is a home win all, all day long. Mind you, West Brom did uh, really make Chelsea uh, suffer a little bit early in the season when they were 3-0 up. I mean, they did give away a 3-goal lead eventually. But uh, West Brom can turn up uh, on occasions, I would say. And uh, for United, the injury concerns, you know, they carry on. Eric Bai is still out and Luke Shaw is still injured. And, uh, you know, the straightaway, uh, the replacement for Luke Shaw, Mr. Alex Telles, has tested positive, had tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, then he came back and he tested negative. So apparently he's still available. Now, he's an exciting player that I would like to like to watch. And I'm just going through... Uh, the injury list on, on my phone app, it says uh, Anthony Martial back injury, Eric Bai muscle injury, Luke Shaw hamstring injury, Marcus Rashford shoulder injury, Mason Greenwood illness and Phil Jones. I mean, we don't care about Phil Jones, but every that's pretty much it. I mean, the likes of Rashford, Greenwood and Martial, all three out, like who who's left? Cavani pretty much. That's it. Cavani and uh, I mean, he'll have to play out from the midfield, play the likes of Pogba, Mata. Uh, maybe even Dan James giving some kind of a speed on the left or right flanks. 
Uh, United far from uh, a, a total squad right now. Well, out of the guys you mentioned, only Rashford is a certified starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martial, to be honest, uh, he's blown hot and cold. Uh, he could be subbed on and off. Greenwood once uh, once again too raw. So only Rashford is a big miss for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Tellers is too new, you know. Fine, he's an upgrade right now on Dan James, but. You know, it's not that someone can't come in and do a job. So, I wouldn't bother too much about it. Uh, if you shore up your midfield with Matic and Pogba, play Mata up front and uh, stick up the lone man up top, uh, Cavani. Uh, it's it's not too bad a squad. I don't see any excuse why you can't beat West Brom at Old Trafford. Yep, fair points there. But uh, let's see how that turns out. Now, moving on to Sunday, we start off with... Uh, Fulham versus Everton. Now, Everton have... They were the league leaders and they were surprisingly kind of running away with it. And uh, they have kind of stepped off the gas with uh, missing uh, Richarlison. They've really missed Richarlison. The last three games he didn't play, they lost, I think, all three of them. But he is back in the squad. He played for Brazil, I think, in the in the, in the the international break. And he did get himself a, a goal or an assist. I can't really remember right now. Fulham again struggling to make a make a mark. Mitrovic isn't really uh, you know putting in the work yet. Uh, what do you make of this Everton uh, back for uh, all three points here? Yes, certainly. And you know what Richarlison is? He's a good old fashioned brawler. Mm-hmm. He is to this team what Suarez, what you know the Zlatans, what the uh, Diego Costas bring mm-hmm. to the side. You know. A brawler who's good on the ball, chases down everything, plays with his heart on the sleeve. You need a player like that. You need a player like that to grab the game and, you know, make make things happen. So, of course, they missed him. Without him, Everton are a, you know, they're a side that's easy on the eye. They've got South American flair now in the middle of the park. But Richarlison up top is a whole different dimension. We've seen even Calvert-Lewin struggle for... Uh, possession and touches on the ball without Richarlison. So, it's imperative that he play off of him and that Everton keep him fit and more importantly on the field because he got an unnecessary red card in the last uh, in the last time he was out. So, he'll be a welcome back uh, addition and I foresee this to be a straightforward win for Everton. Now, I was listening to the Fantasy Premier League podcast and over there they mentioned that a lot of uh, uh, fantasy Premier League managers uh, have started to get rid of Dominic Calvert-Lewin because apparently he got found out in the last uh, two games against uh, I think Sir Southampton and United. Do you still have uh, him in your team and do you think he's going to do uh, a lot more and he's going to pick up where he left off for the season? Well, well, uh, you know, to give you a shocking piece of news, I've never had him on my team. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I probably had him on the one time I played the free hit chip, Mm -hmm. but uh, I've never had him on my team. And uh, people getting rid of him is a mistake because with Richarlison by his side, he will be back among the goals. Well, I've still still kept him on my team, but uh, yeah, it remains to be seen what he does. Uh, Moving on, we have uh, Sheffield versus West Ham again. Can't really uh, call this one yet. I mean, Sheffield still struggling to score some goals. Moving on to the last game on Sunday night is Leeds versus Arsenal. Now, what do you make of this? Well, depends on which Arsenal show up. <laughs> if the Arsenal yeah. who bossed that Old Trafford show up, it's a win all day long. Mm-hmm. If the Arsenal who capitulated to Aston Villa show up, it's a loss all day long. Mm-hmm. So, really, it's a flip of the coin, you know. Uh, 
Arsenal fans these days must feel a little like Captain Jack Sparrow. You never know which way your luck is going to turn. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be king of the Indians in one scene and you may be being roasted above a flame <laughs> on the next. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, it's away at Leeds, so I suspect uh, if Arsenal keep a compact shape and uh, play on the break, they'll be good. There are some really big issues with Arsenal, you know, and creativity. I never thought I'll mention this because even the most... Uh, you know, uninspiring Arsenal teams have always uh, had creative players and creative elements. But mm-hmm. this team, it's solid, but it's struggling to create chances. And, you know, Aubameyang has the fewest shots on target out of any player who started up front for any team in the Premier League this season. So, uh, that is just surprising, you know. And you don't associate Arsenal with a lack of creativity. Now, Arteta is going to conjure up some from somewhere. And unless he does so, Arsenal are going to continue being, you know, mediocre mid-table. And that's a very good point. I mean, thinking of Arsenal of old, you always had uh, the likes of, uh, let's say, Fabregas, Nazri, uh, Asante Cazorla in the in the recent times, even Mesut Ozil, for instance, for for creativity. But right now, I think there's this. I think it's too much of an influence on providing uh, from the from the from the width. You know, with Aubameyang playing and Pepe playing from the wings, and even Velian now thrown into the fix. Uh, the central midfield has become more of a kind of a holding kind of a role with, you know, the likes of Granit Xhaka, just kind of El Neni maybe, just holding on to the ball and not doing much with it. Even Ramsey, for instance, now missing from uh, from the Arsenal lineup. You're right, there is a lack of uh, creativity. Now, Ateta being a Spaniard himself, and we know how Spanish footballers like to play, he would, might want to, you know, look into it. Uh, yeah, but... What do you make of this whole? I mean, I mean, I don't want, don't want to get into all kinds of uh, controversy and who said what. What do you make of this whole Mesut Ozil saga? Well, he's been frozen out for a reason. He doesn't perform. I mean, he doesn't perform what is expected of him in a modern football team. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we played five sides, right? Right. And sometimes the best player on the pitch, when put in a team, can actually make the team weaker. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've had dribblers all day long, but you take out the dribbler, you put in a guy who can run around and all of a sudden the whole team plays better. Yeah. So, it is that. That, that is precisely what it is. You know, if you don't track back, you leave one man open and suddenly it's a 2 on one uh, situation on the right-hand flank and your right-back is getting exposed. So, you know, there's no... Uh, I mean, if, if the manager's being set up and he's setting up the team to play according to a system, you've either got to fit the system or you've got to mold yourself to fit the system. And if you can't do either, then you sit on the bench. Now, he's not helping his case by being all political. Mm-hmm. His political views are, you know, extreme. Right. Uh, yes, he supports a lot of humanitarian causes, but, you know, a lot of these players, you know, you don't really want to read too much into what their PR team makes them out to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the end of it, they are multi-multi-millionaires. They're drawing insane copious amounts of money from sponsorships, from salaries. Uh, apparently, the fallout between Ozil and Arsenal began when Ozil refused to take a pay cut. Right. And apparently, this was uh, because he wanted more clarity on what the funds will be used for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Arsenal said, okay, we can't offer you any more clarity. And then later on, you know, there was a report of letting go of 50-odd people, etc. Now, the things uh, that people need to understand is that football clubs are a commercial enterprise. Okay, Mm -hmm. if if 
people like Ozil are so concerned about where the money is going, they should play for non-profit organizations. Um, the thing is, you can't be sitting on a £400,000 a week kind of salary and then play holier than thou. Yeah. It's not that he's paying, you know, like some 10-15% of his salary into humanitarian causes. I, I don't think, uh, you know, it, it works like that. So to each his own, really. And, you know, you, you got to stay loyal to your employer. Now, it doesn't help matters that you're making grandiose statements when the club decides to let go of their mascot and, you know, maybe put him on furlough for two months, you come out and say, I'll pay the wages. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can pay the wages. You can pay minimum wage to a guy, you know, for uh, a year just out of what you earn in a day. So, what's the point in that? And, you know, no one really understands why he did what he did. And then, of course, he's sitting on his haunches, he's collecting his paycheck. He refused to take a move to any other side, any other league. So, you know, it's he's not helped his cause. And people coming out and saying that he's very professional, etc. I don't know. Professionalism is not just what you do on the pitch. It's also how you conduct yourself off the pitch. So, with Ozil and Arsenal, I think it's been a fallout. The fallout is complete. And it will be terminated legally this summer. It's sad. But uh, you know me. I'm one of the biggest Ozil supporters that has been over the last five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, uh, I'll be okay when he, when you know we are rid of him. So you don't reckon he's going to be in an Arsenal shirt ever again? Ever again, yeah. Well, yeah, some really sad, uh, you know, truth there, really. And I remember we used to have conversations about which uh, Arsenal pair would I take in the United squad and which uh, United pair would you take in the Arsenal squad. And for me, for the last, uh, I don't know, five, six years, the first pick right off the bat was Mesut Ozil because United really lacked... Uh, a guy who can deliver that killer pass. And mind you, on the day when Ozil turns up, he is unplayable. I mean, what a guy, honestly. Uh, just want to throw one more question at you. And this this came to me while I was watching uh, football uh, in the last gaming. I know this is not something we had discussed. It just came to me. Talking about uh, getting political in football. Now, we recently, we saw all these uh, things like wearing the poppy on the shirt, understood. Okay, now taking the knee before every game. Does football really need all that? And does does it make a difference? I mean, why not just let it be a sport like every other sport? Why does it have to be uh, political? Does it really change anything? Uh, this is a bigger debate about, uh, you know, where should political stands begin and end? And I think this is a worthwhile topic for an episode. We should consider talking about this in depth. Mm-hmm. Maybe even get a few more perspectives in. Yeah. Uh, another thing is that people, social media has really connected everybody. And uh, social media also acts as a bit of a pseudo news medium mm-hmm. for a lot of the uh, people who, you know, consume content only off of social media. So when news is being consumed only on one medium, the news in itself tends to get colored by the medium Mm -hmm. and not, you know, the message then gets sort of warped. So, and you know, social media is all about personal opinion and personal opinion can very easily get garbled with fact. Now, where people are interconnected, they look at celebrities, sports stars, etc. to stand up and do the right thing, you know, in, in quotes. Now, the right thing, what is the right thing? We can all debate until the cows come home. You know, different issues have different sides of the coin. Some things which are universally agreed are equality, uh, you know, uh, ending discrimination on any of any kind. Those things, I think, safely should be put up on sports platforms because that is somewhere the young people are watching, people across the world are watching. And those kind of humanitarian values really need to be driven home. Mm-hmm. 
and some things maybe sport is best uh, you know that it stays away from well to be honest i mean uh, it's great that uh, the fa have taken up a stand against uh, you know racism in football at least i mean recently uh, i think it was i think it was last year where raheem sterling was uh, racially abused in a, in an away game at turkey i think it was i can't remember exactly it's good that they have taken a stand but it remains to be seen if this actually does anything i mean does taking a knee before a game really change anything i mean i i don't know about that uh, then again uh, it's a good point that we really need to maybe discuss it in a separate episode uh, so we'll stick to that now coming back to leeds united they've had a bit of a misfortune in terms of their results lately they've lost to leicester they've lost to crystal palace now the next three games are against arsenal everton and chelsea now that's uh, i mean i mean leeds when they came into the into the premier league everybody was happy about it they had a good start they showed what they can do and the style of football they play was very exciting to watch but they have kind of fallen off the pace they found they find themselves uh, just a few points off uh, the relegation zone so you know good luck to them and uh, yeah apologies for saying earlier that it's there's there's going to be one more game on sunday night which is less liverpool versus leicester now with a liverpool which is uh, defensively weakened and a jamie wardy firing on all cylinders i mean what do you expect here well uh, liverpool are weak this week and uh, they are there for the taking so leicester could become the first team in more than 2 years to beat them at anfield uh, i i foresee leicester winning this simply because of the lack of options that liverpool have having said that klopp's teams have this really you know embattling mentality about them mm-hmm. they have this spirit which is almost like a boxer who's on his last legs and you know still wants to throw that one hook i haven't i don't remember losing uh, liverpool losing uh, other than you know that aston villa humiliation uh, and and you know especially when the chips are down and people count them out liverpool come back swinging so this will be a very interesting match to watch but i see leicester being the first team to beat liverpool at anfield in more than 2 years now having answered your question i have one question back mm-hmm. at you yeah and this harks back to the conversation we were having 5 minutes ago mm-hmm. if there is one arsenal player that you would <laughs> buy today would it still be ozil pierre emerick obameyang <laughs> that's who, <laughs> that's who i want all day long man i mean what a guy i mean the the kind of goals he has scored easily he can slot right into it uh, into the united uh, squad straight away playing 11 no doubt in fact there were rumors linking uh, obameyang to united earlier this in, in in the transfer window i'm sad it didn't materialize because we all know how much we love uh, poaching arsenal strikers i mean talking about robin van persie <laughs> what a what a signing he turned out to be for us <laughs> too soon brother too soon still too soon in, a, in another 10 years maybe but uh-huh. still too soon <laughs> all right all right fair enough a uh, question right back at you then who which which united player will you take for for you know for arsenal Well I would take uh, Marcus Rashford. Mm-hmm. I am I've been very impressed with his development over the last season season mm-hmm. and a half. Apart from that I think I'd take Bruno Fernandes. He's go. the kind of guy we need, you know, yeah. who just doesn't pass the ball side by side to side, mm-hmm. actually moves with it. And you know, with a guy like Fernandes, Fernandes is a definite step up to Danny Ceballos. Yeah. And that is what we need. We need Uh, a creative playmaker not you know another guy who looks up and then passes to the side uh, apart from that um, i don't really see any other united player walking into this arsenal side even though arsenal are very poor themselves mm-hmm. 
you know it speaks that uh, even united aren't exactly bursting with riches yeah so yeah maybe fernandez and rashford all right some very interesting picks there now to finish off the game week we have uh, burnley versus crystal palace i mean who cares and the final game another late monday night fixture is wolves versus southampton wolves are a bit of uh, you know a little bit on a roll right now to be honest they find themselves in a very interesting position they are up to ninth really but uh, we've seen the kind of football they play and what's interesting is now that the goals at wolves are not i mean typically they don't come from the the strikers so to speak even their defenders have scored like think of roman size uh, max kilman for instance and even uh, now they're, they're uh, the midfield attack in the form of podens and pedro neto coming in you know they the goals come from literally any direction of wolves are a very interesting team to watch i i can't remember how long they've been in the premier league this time but uh, they have consistently delivered uh, good performances and they have been a thorn in the side of the top 6 teams really a team that's been consistent and doing really well is uh, their opponents yeah, southampton are true. all the way up in fourth mm-hmm. and if results go their way they'll be leading the table so southampton are quietly going about their business they have a very very experienced manager and they've made an astute signing in one of the most dangerous players on the planet that uh, leo messi himself called out <laughs> as one of the most dangerous players oh, he has no. faced Yes, we are talking about Theo Walcott. Walcott uh, can unleash hell pretty much mm-hmm. anytime he's on the pitch. And Southampton, his boyhood club, are on a quiet run there. They are all the way up to 16 points, which mm-hmm. is just two shy of Leicester City, and one behind Liverpool and Tottenham. So you know, don't discount Southampton. Uh, I, I have a feeling Southampton are going to nick this one simply because Wolves. have not strengthened over the summer we've talked about this in the previous episode how jota was a big loss and i suspect southampton will just will be just too good for wolves i see this as a scoring southampton win well you say that but i've just gone through the list of injuries for southampton i see danny ings james ward prowse ryan burton theo walcott four main uh, you know starting 11 players in the squad are injured including Danny Ings we know he's a goal scorer and a provider so they might miss him i mean i i I've, i've got my money on wolves for this one to be honest let's let's really see what happens now moving on to the fantasy premier league now it's been it's been interesting a lot of uh, players in and out notably mohammed salah has uh, been tested positive for covid and i know he's been owned by i don't know half of the world i guess i don't know somebody will have to uh, you know make changes get rid of that uh, player and he is uh, he's an expensive player to be honest if he's what 12.1 12.2 i can't remember exactly so what what changes are you looking forward uh, are you going to make for this uh, game week well i regret playing my free hit chip so early in the season i suspect this week i'll have to take a 8 or a 12 point hit mm-hmm. uh, i've got sala i've got Jimenez and all the expensive strikers. I've got Dinia, who suddenly is not doing so well. So I I'll have to overhaul my squad. I suspect I'll keep Kane and Son, uh, even though Tottenham are playing Man City. I don't have an option there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably swap out Salah for a you know maybe a De Bruyne or a you know maybe I don't know. It's it's just uh, very very foggy right now. I'll probably make these changes late on Friday or early Saturday, mm-hmm. so that I can benefit from the latest news. You know, this is one of those 
dodgy game weeks again where you know one pick out of the left field can do wonders and a regular team can just maybe come back with 30 points yep yep that's true well for me i got rid of uh, himenes he wasn't really doing much i mean he got a goal here and there but he was a uh, pretty lackluster to be honest i brought him for patrick bamford and obviously the noob that i am i didn't check who leads were playing they're playing arsenal so he probably not going to do much i put bamford on the bench and i'm playing i i subbed off uh, i got rid of son because son has again has been uh, not that great to be honest in the last few game weeks he's missed a lot i've brought in uh, bruno fernandes back my first united player back into the top uh, playing 11 for me i mean what what a statement that is can't even can't even imagine So I'm playing a five-man midfield with Mane, Fernandez, Grealish, James Rodriguez, and Podence. I think that's quite potent. So let's see how that goes. It is quite potent, brother. Yeah, Kane and Calvert Lewin up top for me. Kane again playing Man City, but I do expect him to get a goal or two here and there. But uh, let's see what happens. So the team looking pretty decent for me, uh, to be honest. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's see how it turns out. How far apart are we in the fantasy Premier League now? Oh, good question. Not that far off. Hold on, let me just check it. I'm at three eighty six. You're at four twenty four. Well, I suspect I'll hold points. on to my lead this week, but mm-hmm. the week after, I suspect you're going to lead the fantasy Premier League for the first time this season. Have you played your wild card already? I did. You've played your wild card and your free hit. Yes. <laughs> Well, so have I really? I've played my wild card and my free. I haven't played my free yet. No, I haven't played my free yet. Yeah, that's right. I think I think I haven't played my free yet. Yeah, it's still there. I've played my bench boost, which is a total disaster. I got three points off my bench. <laughs> does Champions League make a comeback this week as well? Yes, it does. It's gonna be you know thick and fast. It's you know like the days of I don't know two weeks ago, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much the roundup. We will do a another uh, preview and a review episode. We're not going to do two episodes uh, for every game week now. We're going to club it down to one, where we will uh, discuss the results of this game week and the Champions League and the next game week in the next episode. So stay tuned, brother. Thank you so much for joining uh, joining us, and uh, thank you for your valuable insights. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Alrighty, see you around. <laughs>